Hello, this is the Sleep Mums A to Z's. Everything you ever wanted to know about parenthood from allergies to getting more Z's. With the odd detour via Deja Poo's, Nip Lash and Velcro Babies. If you're new to the Sleep Mums, our podcasts are zero judgment, funny and only contain properly useful and real advice. We are passionate about helping parents get more sleep, which is why the Sleep Mums was born in the first place. But the foundation of a better night's sleep for littles and adults can come from a whole range of different and surprising places. I'm Kat Cuby, TV presenter, broadcaster and face, hand and bum wiper of two small but annoyingly cute humans. And this is Sarah Carpenter, paediatric sleep expert, podcaster and laid back looker after her of three kids. Together, we are the Sleep Mums. In this new series, we're going to talk to people with different experiences and expertise when it comes to parenthood and baby sleep. They'll share what they know, what helped, and the advice that mostly made them want to stick Lego in their eyes. This week, we're joined by another mother, Dr. Poonam Krishnan, GP, Mama of Two, writer and co-host of the Medic Mum podcast. So today's letter is the letter G. Feeling very Sesame Street about that. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. Today is a really big deal for Sarah and me because we normally just sit here talking crap to each other. But now we have a guest. And we need to be at least semi-professional. Yeah, I even made the effort and got dressed this morning. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry if this is overshare, but Sarah sent me a picture of a video she'd done for social the other day from behind and she literally just had a top on. (laughs) Luckily, the mirror had been moved from the bedroom. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, and love the love the intro there. I've got my jammy bottoms on underneath my outfit. <laughs> That's just how we roll. In telly, when testing a microphone and whether it's working or not, the soundie usually asks you to say what you had for breakfast, but. As I know you've got two littles, Poonam, I'm guessing you probably had a cup of tea and their breakfast is actually smeared down you. But let's start with asking you, how's your day been? Breakfast, I've had three cups of coffee, so I'm rattling um, because we've not been sleeping very well the last few days. Baby's not been very well. Have you heard of this podcast? (laughs) (laughs) I absolutely love your podcast and absolutely recommend it. Um, I've recommended it to a few patients, actually, uh, seeing a lot of mums at the minute uh, in, in GP land who have just had babies. And one of the commonest things, of course, is that, you know, we're very sleep deprived in those early stages. And uh, boy, am I feeling the pressures of that at the moment, too. And so we need to know a bit about you. You obviously, as you said, you're GP and your mum. Tell us all about you. We want to hear about you. (laughs) So I have been a GP for, oh, gosh, um, almost uh, 11 years now and it's interesting because I, I went into general practice because it's got that holistic and um, kind of feel to it you're with people from the beginning of life from when somebody tells you that they're pregnant right to the end of life but I think that being the doctor doesn't quite give you that perspective until you're in the hot seat yourself so seven years ago I had my little boy and with him unfortunately I suffered from quite severe birth trauma which um, I this year in my second pregnancy found out that I actually suffered from PTSD. PTSD from, um, but I also suffered from quite severe postnatal depression. So that first year with him was very complicated, very challenging. 
And yeah, as I say, I was the patient for the first time. And it gave me that look into when, you know, parents come in and they tell you that things are difficult or challenging. You really understand it when you're going through it yourself. So with that in mind, I then developed a real interest for looking at women's health, children's health and mental health became a huge passion of mine because I suffered quite badly from postnatal depression that I was in denial of and didn't really seek out and get the right support from. And over the last seven years, then really, that's that's kind of become my jam, um, really looking out for mums, uh, really taking a special interest in supporting mums and you know, along the way, I've I've kind of picked up lots of different interests, but it's all been surrounded around family. I mean, you know what it's like, you have a child, and then you have a career, and you think, how am I going to juggle the two? Um, and along the way, you know, there's been lots of moments where I've had to let go of some things, take up some things. And a few years ago, my little boy said to me, you know, we were chatting about dreams. And I was like, you know, you can be anything you want to be when you grow up. And it's really important to me, because as as an Indian growing up, I kind of felt that my parents were like, well, if you, it's all about education. If you're not a doctor, a lawyer, you know, or an accountant, then you're a failure. And I was like, but I want to be a writer when I grow up. I, I want to, you know, work on TV and I want to do things in the media. And my parents just didn't understand that because they're from another culture and another era. But then sitting talking to my little boy and he was like, well, mommy, did you follow your dreams? And I think, you know, kids have this way of just making you go, oh, wow, an aha moment. Um, and I was like, well, no, actually, I still really want to write books when I grow up. And he's like, well, why aren't you doing that? And that really was the point where I thought I can diversify my career if I want to. Um, so I am a GP and I work, you know, full time as a GP. But what about all these other things that I want to do? So over the years, I've kind of got involved in working in the media. So I last year fronted um, my health series with the BBC Scotland, which was called Laid Bare. And that was my first kind of real look into TV and what, you know, what can you use your platforms for in order to inform something that you're passionate about, in my case, being health and well-being. Um, I've just written my first book, uh, which will be out uh, in a couple of years time. So it's just at those early stages. Um, and now I do regularly work uh, in radio and do writing any platform really I can use to help be of service in a way to prevention is best than cure. Because as we know, a lot of medicine particularly can be quite reactive. And what I see on a day-to-day basis is kind of firefighting where actually people need to be educated a little bit more um, about their health. And I just try my little bit to do that, really. So you do you do a lot of, of everything. <laughs> I think if you were to ask my son right now what he wants to be, he'd probably say a fire engine. So I might struggle with that. You can be anything you want to be. Well, you just never know. I think that this year has shown us that really anything is possible (laughs) my son wants to be a photographer in space like that's what he wants to do and I'm like absolutely why not you know whatever you want to do and I think this is it we we are in an era where we almost are able to kind of live sometimes through our children because so much is available to us and so much is accessible Um, and I think the sky is the limit and as mums particularly our identities can go when we have our kids and I certainly felt that when I had him I thought well this is it you know this this is this is how it's going to be I'm just not just be a mum but I'm going to be mum and then go to work and you know that what we've kind of probably seen in the generations above us but then I think when they ask you the questions and sometimes you think well is there more that I can do or things that actually 
mean something to me and try it out and all I keep learning every day is you know when I watch my little son achieve little milestones I'd watch him you know try and stand try and stand and then one day he would just do it and I don't know I just find him like him and now I've got a little baby girl I just find them so inspirational because I think they really really struggle and oh you're putting me to shame I just find mine mostly annoying <laughs> oh my god let's well I won't go into the annoying bits yet yes there's there's a lot of annoyance along the way but um I do think that there's a lot that we can learn from children and we sometimes forget what innately we are capable of doing and we're a lot more resilient particularly as mums than we think we are yeah I think they we push them to reach their milestones and in a really lovely kind of reciprocal way they push us to to be better and to be better role models now I think I went to see my GP more times in the first six months of each of my babies being born than I have ever done at any other point in probably my entire life and I guess that's because as a new parent like all babies sort of ailments or the things that are going on feel really alien to you because they're, they're quite different or they're and they're quite scary to be honest and I you can't ask them what's wrong which feels quite different so um do you find that new parents come to see you a lot and what are the most common reasons that they come to see you most most parents do tend to because up until that point many have just been fit and healthy and not needed to see the doctor and then you have a new baby and let's face it none of these antenatal classes that we attend and all the books that we can read none of them prepare you for the reality of when you actually end up with a little human being that you are wholly responsible for um and you know they have their first illness they have their first cold or their first fever and it is scary um so the first point of call is your gp rightly so uh and especially if it's your first time um having a child and you've got no experience behind you plus these days you know we've got access to online resources you can end up panicking and worrying and not knowing what to do so yes we do find that you know attendances increase um, and a lot of the time it is just reassurance and seeking advice um, but we'd rather that than not. What are the most common reasons that parents come to see you is it is it, as you say fevers and things like that or is it yeah. is it often just just ah, help (laughs) so it depends on which uh, stage a child is at so for example a lot of the time um in the first few weeks of life we'll get a lot of calls from new parents um because that transitional period from birth particularly in those first 12 weeks which we call the fourth trimester um it is challenging Mm -hmm. babies can either be having feeding issues they could be colicky refluxy constipation i mean these are just very common conditions that parents call for um i wish mums did it more but we often find at the six week check you know mums are important too in this if if a mum is well then babies tend to be to be well and a lot of the time overwhelm and um, anxiety just about not knowing what to do is quite common Um, and mental health particularly for mums is is a reason for presenting to us GPs and of course that 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 ties in with with baby care as well. You sort of touched on it and I think that's so true though you know we are as mums as parents we always put ourselves so way down the list that even at that six week check you're kind of like even if you're feeling really crap and I know I have 
experience of that too you don't you feel like you shouldn't say or you can't say you don't want to be feel like a bad parent but also you're kind of like I'm not the important one here they are even if you're you're crumbling inside and that that can be so hard it's really hard and it's really detrimental and I think it's just a product of a society that's kind of always championed the mums that look like they're coping and says that you know it's your job when you have a baby that you know to look after baby number one and you are number two but that's just not the case for a happy baby the whole family unit needs to thrive and all of that is solely down to how mum is doing and you know traditionally if we look at it mums do need support in those first few days weeks it takes a village and you know all of us will agree that in those first few days you you do rely on loved ones whether it's family members to come in and just even if it's holding your baby for a little bit of time that you can just go and have a shower but these basic things are taken from us when we have a newborn you're sleep deprived humans are not designed to live on days and days and days without sleep and um, we don't look after our fe- our feeding issue <laughs> like we have feeding issues we talk about babies <laughs> you know where you're, you're sitting there I remember it you're sitting there with your timers and your apps pinging off like when's the baby due which boob are you feeding baby off next um and actually when was the last time mum you had a glass of water um when was the last time you ate something so mums need to kind of really um get the support and be open and empowered enough to speak to someone if they're struggling and I I mean it doesn't mean that we're going to start a mum on an antidepressant absolutely not but I think just sometimes saying look it's been quite challenging it's been quite stressful half of the time my mums love to just hear from me when I say that's normal how you're feeling is normal yeah it's just it's almost like it's medicine in itself and it's one of the things that I remember craving was when I went to see my GP Like, I'll never forget that consultation where I was in and out in a few minutes with a prescription Mm -hmm. of an antidepressant and I didn't feel seen, I didn't feel heard and all I wanted the whole time was just for them to say, this is okay, this is normal, you know, what you've been through was hard, this is hard Um, because when you are in that vulnerable state where it's just, you feel like it's just you, your baby and everything else is crashing down in front of you. You just need to feel that sense of solidarity for it to be normalized in a sense. Um, And I think that this is what all of us need to do more is actually keep it real for one another and to say that, yes, it's beautiful. It's a gorgeous time in life, but it's a transition, not just on a physical level and emotional level, but also on a complete mental health level. It's a huge transition that needs much more open space um, and time. You touched on it and I think that the biggest sort of thing that oversees all of that is pressure. It's pressure from often from family members, it's pressure from yourself, but also from society. And I guess you guys, you know, you you're a GP, you have all this like experience and understanding of the human body and all of that. And Sarah, you totally understand sleep and you've got to understand babies and all of that. You probably had another level of pressure in terms of of how you were coming at parenthood oh definitely absolutely I remember the nine months of my first pregnancy panicking that people were going to have such high expectations of me to have this perfect baby and because I had the knowledge and the skills I thought you know this is going to be totally fine and I will have it and I'll nail it and actually I had a traumatic delivery and then a huge baby 
with no clothes that fitted him and all the rest of it and just felt like such a failure that first night I was like you know I've I've given birth to a monster and now I don't know what to do with it because no one prepared me for these hormones and emotions and it completely changed my approach at work you know I suddenly things that I would have done previously I just never did again and you know I became a much softer more understanding person for it and just talked you know and now one of the things i the feedback that I get a lot is from mums and dads alike saying you know there's nothing nicer than sitting at three o'clock in the morning just talking even if the baby's asleep but we know now that we can talk to you and your approach is just so gentle with us and that's what we need and you must find that as well you know after having your own babies did you feel like you changed how you were speaking to the parents that were coming in and the your approach to the things that they were saying I'm sure you found it quite different after you knew what it was like yourself 100% I really resonate with all that you say there um when I remember actually embarrassingly as a junior doctor uh, speaking to uh, a mum and she was like I'm so tired and I was like well you've had a baby obviously you're going to be tired you know but having no real connection Mm -hmm. to that so just kind of assuming that well that's what happens when you have babies surely like get on with it because that's the way I guess we've all been primed and then I had my own and just that sense of vulnerability is nothing that I'd ever experienced before and it is it is there's no other word to it you just feel so helpless and vulnerable and you want to cry but equally you don't want to show other people that you're struggling and you don't want to show other people not because you don't want to because you're so afraid of the narrative that's been depicted to you throughout your life that you will suddenly then be deemed the mum who doesn't cope or the weak one or the one who perhaps you know I, I was so scared that when my health visitor you know said to me oh I'm a little bit worried about you and I was like no you don't need to be worried about me I'm totally fine I'm a doctor. I mean, surely I I should be coping. But I was so afraid for her to like go out and tell like the other healthcare professionals. I started putting on a front Mm -hmm. of how I was coping, but secretly crying, you know, and I think this is it is that we we are our own worst enemy sometimes and that we feed into to what society wants us to say, but we should really take charge and start showing what reality is and now as a doctor when you know I actively seek out I do all the baby checks I always make sure that I've got the mums that are booked in with me too so I never just say it's just the baby not the mum and I know that this isn't available on the NHS across the board um, in all practices but absolutely mums need that six-week postnatal check they need somebody to just say how are you I think that it's such a powerful powerful question um And I think therapy in a way, just five minutes for somebody to say, how was the birth? Was it okay? How are you feeding? Is it going okay for you? It's okay if you couldn't breastfeed for whatever reason. You are still amazing. And I think sometimes hearing that from, you know, in inverted commas, an expert goes a long way and makes you just feel that little bit better about yourself. Oh, I really want you as my GP. I'm going to cry. <laughs> Not that my GP isn't um, fine, but you know, yeah, that, <laughs> that sounds lovely. I think we just want to be held. I think that's it. And I think in this pandemic as well. So we want to be held, but we also want to be heard, as you said earlier on. And I think that mm-hmm. is such an important thing. And that's about covering all feelings and all experiences, because that's not always the case. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
I have, a, I have quite a few friends who are doctors that I've 100% messaged at strange times in a panic about weird rashes or whether I should be taking my kid to a and I mean, I, I'm just going to say this and please don't think I'm a terrible parent or, or you can, but I've been at A&E with my son twice in the last month because he is just completely accident prone at uh, six stitches last week but anyway uh, so yes messaging doctors saying help what should I do you obviously don't need to message yourself you know so what is the most useful part do you think of being a GP when that, it comes to parenting that is so interesting you say that actually I share that in my stories this weekend because I get it a lot I get like but surely because you're a GP like it's it's easier for you or like it must be amazing like when your kids are ill like you you just know what to do um absolutely not I think sometimes too much knowledge is not great especially when it comes to medicine um and there are different types of personalities and different types of doctors so me my I'm married to a uh, married to a husband my husband is also a doctor and his background <laughs> however is orthopedic so he's a uh, very surgical he's now converted to general practice because you couldn't really live with me and not be a GP but um but he's got a surgical background and his approach to things is so different to mine so like unless my son's leg is absolutely hanging off it's just get up get on with it like you're fine with me (laughs) a temperature and I'm like it's meningitis until proven otherwise Um, so like an example being my little baby has, has she's got a chest infection and unfortunately gastroenteritis at the moment but last week she had a fever now in COVID times I absolutely resonate with all parents that are phoning in because fevers these days is not just you know just a viral infection COVID is real and it's a huge threat and there's a lot of unknown and particularly for parents it's causing a huge amount of anxiety so when my baby spiked a high temperature last week and then had a bit of a cough, I, of course, skyrocketed because I was like, oh, my God, this is COVID until proven but otherwise. And then, of course, the everything else that comes with that at the moment. Um, but it's no knowledge does not help me in these instances. I stress out just like everybody else. I Google, too, even though I say don't Google. No way. I don't believe <laughs> Yes, I do. And you go down those rabbit holes where you're like, oh my God, it's definitely like looking at weird. I was actually doing this last night, looking at weird pictures of like rashes because of something on my kid. I'm like, this is a really bizarre Sunday night pastime. <laughs> no, we, uh, we all do it. Be- and the thing is, you cannot be objective when it comes to your own. So, like, I can stitch up open wounds, no problem. If my son has a cut, I'm like, almost passing out (laughs) you know so I just because you're so emotionally tied to your babies um and you would do anything than ever have them hurt or be in pain um and you know I always say I remember again before children being like well just give them paracetamol and mums would be like but I can't get it in to them no matter what I try and I'm like oh for god's sake how precious is this mum you know like now there is nothing in the world that I try that can get paracetamol into my baby. She learns every trick to spit it out, to blow raspberries back out, to vomit it up. And it is so stressful. So now I just listen and I say, right, what can we try? Have you tried putting it in yogurt? Have you tried doing, you know, all these little tidbits that you pick up as a parent along the way that medical school never taught you. But ultimately, I would say that we're all learning on the job. 
Totally. Sarah, do you have any top tips for, for giving kids paracetamol? I think you've just mentioned the best one, definitely the yogurt. I mean, that is usually, but put it into the Calpol syringe so yeah. you're then squirting the yogurt. Oh, the yogurt in. Ah. Yes, the Calpol and the yogurt, give it a good shake. Or directly into a pouch. I've tried that a few times as well. Just squirt the Calpol straight into a pouch of food, give it a good shake, and then give them a pouch yeah. that way. So, uh, yeah, lots of cheats ways of doing it. <laughs> I think I have the opposite problem. My like my daughter's like, I'm I'm definitely ill. I need some cowpaw. I'm like, you do not need cowpaw. <laughs> my son's like that. He'll be like, it's so yummy, mummy. I don't understand yeah. what her problem is. <laughs> and I'm like, yes. And he but he was on um things for reflux from a very early age. So I think he's just kind of really used to medicine and takes it takes it well. I mean, last week I could not get it into her, and I don't know how much of the adequate dose actually went in, but she was happy to kind of gum at bread with um Ella's prune stuff on it. So I just ended up smearing the pat cowpaw on that. So she had cowpaw <laughs> and bread. <laughs> so it was a new one, but she got something. That's some great baby hacks in there. It <laughs> works. So exactly. So do you think there's anything that you've struggled with as a parent that you really didn't expect to because of your background? I think. I'm going to go back to my first time because what this time round with my baby seven years on, I find that things have been a lot easier for me because I have experience behind me and I've actually got experience of having a difficult, not difficult baby. I don't want to call him a difficult baby, but a difficult time with my first. So I think that we hit so many challenges and hurdles back then that this time round, I'm like, Oh God, it's so much easier. I know what I'm doing. Um, But Certainly back then, I wish that I had known exactly how tough it was going to be in that I was the first to kind of have a baby at my own, all my friends, um, in my family. And obviously birth trauma is very real. And when we see birth trauma, you know, I think there's various degrees of that. If it feels traumatic to a mum, that just wants to caveat it. You know, it's traumatic. So whatever your recovery process is, I think that being told that those first three months particularly are going to be very challenging would be helpful I was not expecting the emotional ups and downs to be as severe as they were and trying to battle that with then baby wasn't sleeping and it's very normal babies you know yes in the first few days they'll sleep lots and lots and lots but sleep deprivation is real and actually being given tips to to navigate that would have been really helpful. Uh, I think more conversations around maternal mental health would have been helpful because I didn't expect to feel as low as I did at times and as alone as I did at times. I think that the comparative, the, the sort of competition between mums that takes place is very damaging. And I think that that is, in general needs to needs to kind of tone down a notch (laughs) because I think that often we hear about the mums that do well but the mums that aren't doing so well and we don't hear about and therefore we end up feeling even more isolated and helpless in terms of babies I think sorry were you gonna ask no I was just gonna say I think even when people are honest about maybe things not going as well we still think they're doing better than us as well it doesn't matter even if someone's like you know I'm having a really really tough time I'm not coping as, a, as another parent yeah. or another mum, yeah. you're like, yeah, but really you are. You're doing much better than me. 
because we're so harsh on ourselves we are like totally our own worst critic absolutely and I think that if only like the one thing I say to my mums all the time and I really practice as much as I can is just bringing kindness back to me and I didn't know what that looked like seven years ago. I mean, it wasn't even a word that I was aware of, you know, that I need to be kind to myself. Whereas I'm glad that we've moved on in such times that this is is now a thing. It's part of our culture. But really reminding myself at the end of the day that I have done a great job. Like I have kept my babies fed, watered, they're healthy, they're safe. Um, and I really need to celebrate that. But what else can I do that's just a little bit of me? And if it is that just chocolate at the end of the day or, you know, a glass of wine, then so be it. But I deserve that. And Whereas I think in times gone by, we've almost beaten ourselves up for having space for ourselves because as mums, you should always just be focusing on the children. Um, but I think in terms of what to prepare, it's it's just learning to go with the flow. No baby is the same. Uh, I remember reading lots of books uh, with my first. This time around, I've read absolutely nothing. Um, I have checked no apps this time. You know, I'm just going with the flow and learning to read my baby, which was the one advice that I got from my mum, the, probably the only sensible piece of advice that I had back when I had my, my son um, was stop reading all those books, stop listening to other people, read your baby and do listen to the sleep mums podcast and the medic mums podcast. <laughs> yeah and, and listen to those two of course <laughs> where you will find real advice and that's it it's, it's getting that real talk which is much more valuable and helpful um than trying to conform your baby to the national average of when they should be doing this that I think intuition is a really important thing we talk about mothers or father's instinct and I think we should never ever discount that and and even if you know if it's born out to not be you know correct it's still such an important thing to listen to you know that if you are remotely worried about your baby or or about something that's happening you have you need to believe in yourself because you know your baby better than anyone else and as you say the books can't tell you any of that Mm -hmm. only you know because you're the right parent for your baby exactly and I say this to mums sometimes mums are like I'm so sorry I don't want to burden you um but I'm really worried and I'm like you're never burdening me I'd rather that you phoned up and sought the advice and asked one of us than searched on google or sat and worried alone at home because something that will take me five or ten minutes to resolve um, could be hours and hours and hours of you sitting at home worrying and fretting um, and absolutely your intuition we are born with it and it's an innate human response we know what our babies need and you know what's normal for them so if something changes and again this is probably coming back to what you said Sarah earlier that this is what experience has taught me is that you know what your baby needs So if you feel that something suddenly feels different, you need to communicate that to an expert. um, And until you're not heard, like, you know, you really need to just keep pushing for it. And finally, because one of the reasons we created the Sleep Mums is to share decent advice that Mm -hmm. actually helps parents rather than making them feel more shit like a failure. What is the best advice you've been given? And what piece of advice gives you the eye twitch so good advice and bad advice (laughs) um okay so definitely the the best advice I was ever given I could have mentioned that earlier is is to own your own situation okay so it's not to compare what's happening with you with any other person and read your baby read your child 
if there's anything that you feel is out of kilter, then you get the help that needs. And also remember to look after you. You are actually number one in all of this. I think we've got the priorities upside down. You are number one. When you are fine, everything else will work out just fine. Advice that makes my eyes roll is listening to complete fad advice of other people and taking it as Bible. There is so much misinformation especially right now with the dawn of social media and more and more accessibility there's a lot of weird things that parents are willing to try to get their parent babies to sleep or um eat i think that just be careful of where you get your advice from make sure that the source is credible and if in doubt ask somebody who actually knows what they're talking about but don't just go experimenting because your next door neighbor from 40 years ago told you to do so I think that you know a lot of advice preys on parents insecurities and fears and some of that is product based um, because it's commercial because parents spend a lot of money trying to do an attempt to make them feel like they're doing a better job of parenthood and that's often not necessary and I would put a lot of blame on any kind of one click ordering in the middle of the night yeah. sleep deprived oh god we all do that don't we the 3 a.m ordering I think that you know I think Amazon's been the worst thing for for it you don't have like all these packages that arrive the following evening you're like did I order that um but like, absolutely you're How right did that happen that definitely wasn't me Charges are in crisis at the moment or because of Amazon um, but I, I really echo what you say it's a complete consumer's market at the minute and everything is geared to to new mums and it's it's you know buy this device and it'll help rock your baby to sleep and I'm not against these things don't get me wrong like you know if it works for you okay fine but remember babies don't need a huge amount they need especially in the first few months of life they need you they're used to being cocooned inside you they're used to being you know around your sounds your heartbeat they just need you to cuddle them to rock them to feed them and to be close to them and that's really it everything else that kind of comes along with it is is just like additional add-ons but I think the pressure is real sometimes and that's a bit about confidence as well, isn't it, really? Because you sort of, you lack the confidence in, the, uh, not everyone, but lots of people lack the confidence in those early months to feel like they have it within themselves. So they do look externally to other things. And yeah. that's absolutely what we hope to do with the sleep mums. And I know you're hoping to do as well in terms of all the all the, the many juggling things you do is, is to empower people and to trust themselves and to give yeah. them the tools to be able to do it themselves and to feel confident in what they're yes exactly and I think that it's 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 all about the basic and it's all about the little things and as as new parents particularly you know go right back to taking care of yourself finding whatever routine and rhythm that works for you it doesn't need to conform to others making sure that you are eating as well as you are eating like feeding your baby make sure that you are taking the time to rest make sure that you're getting out for some fresh air make sure that you're also kind of getting a bit of exercise and wherever you can fit that in and if the laundry needs to wait until like later or the next day that's not the end of the world the most important person in all of this is is you such a lovely point to end on I think that's so true so that was our very first the sleep mums a disease and our letter was g for gp 
We do know that the alphabet doesn't begin with G, but like parenting in general, things don't always happen in the order that you expect them to. So thank you so much to Dr. Poonam Krishnan. And thank you to your beautiful baby girl for sleeping through that as well. I know, she's still sleeping. I hope she's like, okay. <laughs> but now you said that, I'm like, oh shit, the baby. Yes. <laughs> Uh, have a listen to her podcast for more medical mama stories we hope you loved our new series uh, let us know by writing us a review wherever you get your podcasts you can also find us online at the sleep mums on instagram and facebook and on our website thesleepmums.co.uk thank you so much guys thank you thank you <laughs> bye. Bye. bye thanks for listening sleep soon